You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm bound for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. Well, here we are at uh, a missions conference, NCM conference, general conference at Pinawa. And uh, how are you enjoying the conference, uh, Venus? Oh, you need to mention the other group that's here with us. Oh, yes, Healing Hearts. Yes. Exactly. And we have a special, very special guest here. Special in your family, right? Yes. Um, this is Elvira, but everybody knows her by Vera. Vera Cody. And uh, she's my aunt, and... She loves the Lord, and uh, that's the exciting part, is that there's uh, her family are believers in, in the same family, so it's it's an encouragement knowing that we're not by ourselves. You talked about uh, Vera in your story when we when we were talking there at Arrowhead, right? So I'm, I'm uh, interested to hear the her perspective on things, you know, you gave your perspective. Well, now we have an opportunity to hear from her. And we wanted to welcome you here. And we're anxious to hear your story. Um, you talked about each other's perspectives on one's life, but I don't think it would be a perspective. I think it's one's own personal story of how one came to know the Lord and uh, mm -hmm. Vera obviously is a very special person in my life and uh, I would be prejudiced <laughs> yeah you, you talk about her a lot and yeah. I know you're you speak so highly of her and we're just uh, really honored to have her here can you tell us a little bit of uh, uh, first of all your ministry in Winnipeg there's so much to tell. Where do you even begin? Um, I'll just uh, think when I first came to Winnipeg in September the 21st, 2003, I only had a place to live and I was even that. I was bo I was boarding at, at a home that had three other missionaries, but we all had different theology in it. So that was sometimes quite a discussion. And I... Um, was working and I was uh, Inner City Youth Alive was uh, I had applied for a position there but they're mainly with young people and I I don't feel that that's my calling in life or I don't feel that God had asked me to work with children and young people so I resigned that and I wanted to do street ministry and I did street ministry 
and I resigned from that position, did street ministry, and I started to going going out, walking around by myself, going to the cafe, having coffee. I developed a relationship with the people down the street that owned the cafe, and they were Korean. And um, if I wanted a free meal, I'd go there. <laughs> Especially breakfast. Free Korean food. So those, they actually have uh, native food. They have they serve native food. They serve bannock, really? yeah. But it wasn't them that made the bannock. It was uh, they got different people to make the bannock. And anyways, and she had a niece that was just uh, sleeping around on a sleeping around. I should be careful with that. She was staying at her grandmother's uh, condo, but she was asked to leave because she was not a registered guest on that whatever condo. So she was uh, do, uh, uh, wondering what she's going to do with her life. So I, she, her auntie set me up with her to, we were talking and I realized, you know, like she's, she wants to do something for the Lord. So I, I asked her if she would like to come with me to do ministry. And she said, okay, I'll come, you know, like not knowing really what it is about. So I found that we really were, um, she, uh, she would look after the children if we went into the homes and knocked on doors and told them who we were. Oh, that's really great. And then she would play with the children while I visited with the adults. And that worked out so well. And every time there was an organization or something that was going on in the north end of Winnipeg, I'd always go. We were, we picked garbage. We went and stood in a line if there was, uh, you know, just for if there's something going on in that organization, we would just we'd go there. We went where there was a lot of people. And I at first made a point to find 500 people that I'm going to, talk with and know who 500 people are and I think I surpassed that by a lot because I cannot sit in the malls now <laughs> who I am and so um, it's it's developing relationships and being comfortable in who I was as a missionary and I had no means of support or nothing but I did it you did that like were yeah. you with an organization? No, I wasn't. After I had uh, resigned from inner city youth, then I was. Um, There's a point there where I just went out and did it, and the Lord provided for me, and He He didn't apply abundantly, but He provided for me, and so I was so tired of it, like so tired of wanting to join an organization that best suited what. I believe this in the theology because there's lots out there. Mm -hmm. You can easily get sidetracked and this, but I, I was committed to <laughs> to the theology that I was taught in Bible school and what the Holy Spirit has impressed upon my heart. Okay, let's. Uh, okay, now let's backtrack a little bit. And uh, you're a missionary now, and you love the Lord, and Jesus is number one in your life. Mm -hmm. Was it always that way? Okay, it was through the, uh, the speaking, I mean, it was through the sending my children to, to uh, Sunday school in, back in Camp Sac when I was, uh, my little girls were small, and I wanted to go to Bible school, and so I had to wait until my daughter was six years old, so she, that she could be in grade one, and it was, um, so that I can go to school there full time. 
So I went off to Bible school. And in that moment, in, back in 92, the missionaries had asked me to, no, the EMC had asked me to, to help with the church in Kamsak back in 92, and that they ran a drop-in center, and that they would pay me a little bit in order for me to go back to Bible school in my third year. But I'm a first-generation Christian, like, I grew up obviously with not, with every imaginable possible thing that could happen in our home happen that was bad. Um, and of course there's, you grew up in a big rebellious stage of your life and then when I was 16 years old I was, uh, got into trouble with the law, <laughs> with the RCMP and of course I went to a women's correctional center. And then after that, uh, drifting in and out of jail, it's nothing to be proud of, but I realized how bad I was, and I didn't want to do that stuff. But it was always, there was always something that was wanting me to do better. I want to do better for myself. I want to do better for everybody. I want to do better for my girls. I want to, but I didn't know how to do that. And nobody didn't teach me how to do that. And then I sent my girls off to Sunday school and then uh, this thing here is um, this supposed to be this big tough person. Every time the missionaries come out, hide in the closet or run away in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and so one time, they, I guess maybe the girls were praying for me, and then I finally asked the Lord into my life after, I don't know, I didn't even know how to become a Christian. Venus was, was in home, she was off in Bible school. And, yeah. So if you were to tell the people listening yes. how they could become a child of God, mm -hmm. could, could you just share that with them? Or how would I, I How approach? you came and how, oh. and how a person would come. Well, how I came to the Lord is like I didn't know how, like I said, but it was through my missionary sharing with me how to become a Christian. At first she says to write, she wrote down a, a prayer but that I had prayed two weeks later. But at this, at the time that what I know now, what I knew back, what I didn't know, you know, like it's sort of like, it's a process, right? You yeah. have to, it does not take time like this, you know, you don't have a big miracle. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit was working in Yes, he was. He was working in me because I was convicted. I was starting to realize everything started to look a lot better, the future looked better. And it was through, I had asked the Lord, I invited the Lord into my heart, and He started to convict me. And then, you know, like with all the sins, the past sins that I have committed, I started to confess them verbally to the Lord. Okay. And I did this uh, by myself. I never told anyone. Mm -hmm. I didn't share it in, in meetings or anything. I just sort of just realized how awful I was. And that is something that didn't happen overnight. It just took a time. And then when the missionaries taught me how to live a Christian life, it just was too hard. I could never measure up to that. It was always falling short, you know, like I could never be a missionary, I could never be a Christian, 
and then of course you start to fall back into the world and I did that for a brief time and then I got, went to Bible school. So when did you get to the point then where you could move ahead? It was when I just was tired. I, like I noticed that if I went out somewhere or if I went out with a group of friends or to party, I noticed that I felt I did not belong in that group. I felt so convicted, like at the point I was thinking, well, what's the use? And when Venus would come home to visit, I'd feel even more convicting because I knew that what she was doing and it was more like, if she's not there, then I can't feel that <laughs> convicted for, you know, like not almost not wanting her to come and see me <laughs> or visit me. Yeah, but I, I never said nothing. No, it's just her life. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just loved her and never said anything. And I know things are totally different now because yeah. I've heard about your family and how, yeah. how God had blessed you. Would you want to share with us a little bit about? I mean, we're we're kind of skipping around here, but I really find it important to hear about how God had blessed your family as well. I believe where God's when when you're faithful to God or obedient to God, He blesses you. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of struggles within being a single parent and having to raise my daughters with no husband around, but. I, I learned early on in my Christian life that God is my husband mm. and that he will provide for me because he looks after everybody that's his child. So, and I learned, I learned that God hears you, hears my cries. And, and the interesting thing part about all this journey of being a Christian, being a missionary is my worst enemies in my life when I wasn't living for the Lord were the RCMP. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> only because I I was always that rebellion against the authority part of that. I always seen them as my enemy. And then when my daughter wanted to be an RCMP, I just I never said anything, you know, like when now now, and I thought. I have. I could easily discourage her from not fulfilling that, or I could just think about how I felt about the RCMP. And so, when she told me she was crying that she got accepted, and I thought, oh, you know, that was. But it's um. It's the Lord has blessed her with that. And you know, they're no longer my enemies. <laughs> when she used to come into the house, into her place, and I'd be visiting, she'd walk in with her uniform on and say, Oh, the police are here, better run and hide. <laughs> she said, Mom, don't talk to that. <laughs> but then also that uh, I'm very proud of her. So God changed your view on... Yeah, they're, now they're my friends. I make so much panic for them. And they're not even Christians. And they're, you know, they, some of them have called me mom. And, wow. you know, I can go anywhere in Canada. And, yeah, my daughter's in RCMP and they will accept you right away. 
Like the RCMP does that. Except when it comes to breaking their law. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So Alice loves the Lord and tell us about Missy. Well Melissa is um, she is they have three children. They would have had four, the oldest one. She had a miscarriage. There's Kate, she's twelve, and there's Ethan, he's nine, and then there's little boy Jackson, he's four. And she's committed to raising them for the Lord. And they're very active in the church. And Jesse works, provides for them very well. He doesn't want his wife to work, but she feels that, you know, like, she has to get out of the house. So the teacher, uh, she became like the school in the community of where they're living, has asked her to teach some of the, teach the children, even though she does not have no BA or or diploma or degree in mm -hmm. teaching, but she, they have asked her to do that. And then they have asked her to teach Cree. <laughs> and I told her, just make it up. <laughs> but we're not Because Cree. you're OG Cree, right? It, no, we're no, not Cree. No, we're no, so no. <laughs> Be careful. Anishinaabe. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, we're sort of. <laughs> And then her husband last fall or last year had rolled his hundred ton crane and he came out with a scraped knee and how he got that scrape was they broke the windshield from to pull him out <laughs> and he scraped his knee. He walked away from that. Mm. And it's very important for me to pray for their safety, Jesse's safety, Melissa, and protect my children's innocence, my grandchildren, mm, and yes. for Alice too. Mm. Because sure. she, she gets into situations that are very difficult. Well, I don't hear them from her, but when we have supper with the other RCMP, her members, they start singing and talking. And I'm thinking, really? And Alice says, my mom's here. You know, be careful what you say. And then I get so... I want to fight her battles for her. I want to go and because I'm still a mother, and I can be a mother bear, and I can be still wicked. But the Lord won't allow, he won't allow me to do a lot of the things I want to do in order to help protect her. I have to see her as a protector of the people instead of me as a protector. She protects me, but it's always me, my motherly instincts to protect her. It doesn't matter what age they are. I want to go fight her battles for her physically. That's a, that's a mother's, mother's Physically, heart. yeah. I mean to sound tough. Right? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, you're not. but you must be kind of tough to be able to go to the north part of Winnipeg, which well, is a, a an inner uh, city type. Well, I've always believed that this is what I think. What's going to happen to me that has not already happened to me in life in general? But you know, like there's times in my life, even now, that I want to quit mm -hmm. ministry. Want to quit being a missionary. I remember one time here, I was so discouraged. Oh man, I just wanted to quit. Nothing or no one said to me would cause me to be, to go on for living for the Lord. It was all like, I was parked my car, I was walking along, going into the place where I had been living in Manitoba Avenue in the North End. 
and there was um, what do you call it? There's this lady sitting on a church step or abandoned building step, and she was saying, "Hey, come here!" Like that's waving at me, and I was looking around. Is it me? She said, "Yeah, you come here." And then she started. I walked towards her. I sat beside her, and I realized she was reeking with alcohol, and you could tell she was a street person. But when she talked close to me, I could not smell the liquor on her breath. I couldn't. There was nothing there. And she was telling me, uh, I always see you walking the streets with your big smile. She said, I'm always happy to see you. And I've never mm. seen her before, right? So she, she had been... Um, there was a soup kitchen that I was going to go to to help volunteer. And she that's where... She said she had seen me, and then from there she noticed me all over. And then she said, you know, she said, don't quit. We need you. Is she that said, right? She said that, <laughs> and I thought, and then she said a few other things, and I'm just kind of looking stunned at her. How do you know? She said, don't move back to Alberta. But I had Manitoba plates already. And I was thinking, why is she talking like that to me? You know, like, and then now she just, uh, just say, you know, she was trying to hug me, but she was all, you know, and I didn't feel like hugging her, but I did. Like, I gave her a hug. I've never seen that woman to this day. Wow. I always search for her, and I don't know who she is. She told me her name at the time, but it was on first name basis. But I don't know. I look for her. I guess we've all been at that point of yeah. wanting to quit, and yet God brings someone along or something that comes along to encourage us. I'm glad you you stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I heard this one uh, LGBT missionary native man say to us, say to uh, the whole group of us one time, don't quit because you're, because there's no money. Never use that as an excuse. And that, it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> You hear that, Venus? Yes, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another, uh, this one elderly man told me also, uh, they're very good, they're very influential in my life. Uh, Len Barkman, you know, Len Barkman, he told me, quit when they want you the most, he said. Ah, okay. That's I thought person. those were good words of wisdom that I can hold on to, because they're both, and love the Lord, and they're very... An encouragement to me. Tell us about your son-in-law. He um, he preaches. One time, uh, we were we were visiting them, and and his wife is uh, encourages him to uh, because he's preaching. She 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 encourages him. Did you finish studying yet? Did you finish studying? Yet? So he told <laughs> us uh, he was done. So. He preached to us his message just to practice and and uh, he he's an amazing preacher and uh, I bet you never thought you'd have a preacher for a son-in-law. No, but I have another daughter left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very encouraged by him. He's um he can be goofy with me at times, like I'm the mother-in-law. They're building an addition on their home, and I said, oh, that's mother-in-law's suite, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's just like one 
is part of our family and he is very gifted in preaching. He's uh, he is definitely a pastor. His his uh, he used to work with young people, about fifteen of them, and one of the young people is taking over the church where he had been preaching and pastoring. And uh, now that young boy is working in that church and gives him the freedom to go to another church and help out there. Um, I was hope I I always want him to speak like whenever there's a gathering or something, but his okay. work is permits him. For his work um, always uh, comes before because he needs to to provide. But he's a very good um, man of God. He loves his he loves the Lord. He loves his wife. He loves his family. That's really important. Yeah, it is, and it also gives me peace of mind because I'm not always there being an interfering mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and then if the children are bad and they want to be spanked, and I said, "Oh, don't, oh, don't, don't be bad because you're gonna break mommy's grandma's heart," you know, like. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or the role say, of a grandmother. Yeah. And that, I, like, they're in Alberta, and I live in Manitoba, and my daughter lives in Yukon. That's really far. And uh, and I don't have no uh, siblings. And Venus lives way out in New Brunswick, you know, like... Now that she can fly, she can come <laughs> visit. <laughs> yeah. You can go to the Yukon, you can go to the Maritimes. Yes. One thing I admire most about Vera is that she loves to study. Really? She loves to study, and and she uh, she taught uh, Portuguese Bible study. She taught Portuguese Bible study for a few years, and so she would sit down and she would do her homework and and just study. She she's amazing at at languages. Uh, uh, Studying. She, she she just loves to study and and she puts things together and uh, I'm not that way at all. I'm just the opposite. I'd rather sit and talk with people and if I have to study it kills me. But she, she loves it and she loves searching out things. Well that's a good combination. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to um, speak to 23 people on a daily basis. I mean on a weekly basis. And they would show up for Bible study, and I also would give them rules. Mm -hmm. I'm not your priest. I'm not your nun. <laughs> 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 and then I say, and then <laughs> you don't need to put me up there on a pedestal. I'm just like you. And I don't want to yell, so you have to be quiet <laughs> and listen to my voice. Mm -hmm. And then I would present uh, some. Somebody asked me. Where do you get your materials from? You know, where do you get your material? I said mainly I just study and then I make it into little into point form where it's easy for them to understand. And they, like it's the gospel, you know how you repent, believe, have faith, and all that. You know, mm -hmm. like put in five point forms, and then I would explain each with scripture. And it was like the New Living Translation Bible that someone had given me a gift to buy them Bibles. Is that and the one with the beadwork on the No, no, no. They're Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. How, 
How do you teach in Portuguese? I didn't teach them in Portuguese. They're living in Canada. Okay, okay. So majority of them They're know They're Portuguese, but they know English. Yeah, very little English. And I always, like, if they didn't understand, I would make it more simple for them. And at the same time, it was teaching them English. I mean, like... Yeah. They, they, they taught me a lot of a lot of words in Portuguese, but somehow I don't trust their whatever they taught me unless I seek it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> wise, that's a wise. Uh, yeah, and then um, they're uh, from originally from Portugal, and they're uh, very loud and boisterous, yeah. and very. Oh, I would get so fed up with eating so much, you know, and <laughs> after the Bible study, like two hours later, my voice is already giving out, and then they would just have a, they'd bring in the food, oh, okay, and then I'd have to sit there while they served me, and it's like this, and it's like 10 o'clock at night, a big mountain of food. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Like, but that's their showing hospitality to me. Yeah. And then, you know, they would have a, a like a little offering in the middle of the table, or a little uh, basket and offering would mm -hmm. go there, and then they said, "Well, this is for your gas." You know, they did that all by themselves, and it was interesting too mm -hmm. because they wanted me to church plant among, you know, have a church, but the way that I didn't feel that I was going to be that adequate to be their leader in the church, right? <laughs> they were, they were going to get a building and everything like really? that. Yes. But that was too much for me. Like, I kind of got backed away from that. And at the same time, I was t because I was in native ministry, I was teaching Portuguese and pouring my life into them for five years. So with being a native organization with Native Evangelical Fellowship, I needed to be into native work. So I would... So I did, a, with nine women, I taught them for three years too. And these women have been walking with the Lord 30 or 40 years. And I said to them, you got to be teaching too, you know, you got to teach. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't always want me to teach you, you got to teach. And I say, and it was like, well, you know, they were, and the prayers would be, I mean, I'm not trying to be, Anything about these prayers, but the prayers would be only for mainly for the children, their children, grandchildren. Oh, they're going to court today, they're getting apprehended. So I wanted them to look beyond that and pray for other people, other than, I mean, I'm sure they'll do that in their private devotions, but um, they needed to pray for other people so that their circumstances or their life would be. If they did it to help someone else, it would be less for them. Does that make sense? I, when we were looking to other people's needs, it it it, it blesses other people, but it also blesses us at yeah. the same time. But right. it's a good perspective. Yeah. And there's also like uh, we I had a variety of age group like they were from 70 to 21 year old this one young girl came to the Lord through she came to the Bible study she was a fairly new believer but she came to the Lord through another person so she was able to sit in it and then I, I had uh, sit into that con, uh, have a Bible study but she like being a new Christian she wasn't 
she needed to be really discipled a lot. And I, I don't know, like I was hoping those one of those women would do that. But they say, you're the missionary, Vera, you gotta teach us, you gotta do this, you gotta drive us home, you gotta, you know, bring us, come and get us. Where's the food? You have to give us food, you know. Oh, okay. Just everything. So they were looking to you. And yes, for everything. Because that's how they were in the past. Like they, that's how the missionaries or people that helped them spiritually did that for them, catered to everything they have. That's, that brings to mind something that I, I heard once. I think it was a friend of ours named Mike Matthews. He said, what you win people with, you win them too. Mm-hmm. So if you win them with giving them stuff and and always catering to their needs, right. then they think that's what Christianity is yes. like. You don't teach them independence. You teach them to be dependent upon you. And uh, being raised in the West and going to the East Coast, which go to the East Coast is a total different mentality altogether. They're very independent people, and and many times they don't want to depend on anybody else but themselves, and, and that's the difference in uh, it, with culture. And I think coming from that part of the country, the reason people are like that is because they were a lot of times looked down upon, and so they wanted to get out of that. They wanted to let people know that they... They, they could take care of themselves. They didn't need somebody else to take care of them, yeah. per se. But I really like the idea, well, it's not just an idea, but the scripture that says, you know, that, that which you've received, Paul said, what I've received um, from the Lord, and trust to faithful people, right, who will also pass it on to someone else, who will mm-hmm. teach other people. And I, I think that's a very important part. And we forget that sometimes. We don't plan that way, so we think, well, it'll just happen, but I don't think it just happens, it's planned. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you have that that point of view, and I'm glad you're there in Winnipeg, and I would not, I would have, I'm not a city person, like, per se, I I lived in the city for a while, but um, I like the country a a little bit of space, but... There's so many people, native people in Winnipeg. I think there's almost as many people, last I knew it was 68,000 or something. But that was a long time ago. So there's a lot of people there. Native people and all kinds of people. It's whoever the Lord brings in my my way, like when my divine appointments. And it's right now I'm working with a a family from Pakistan, you know, they immigrated to Canada. I'm working with them, and then I get up against Islam, and I have to learn that, like, like I have to learn how they believe. Mm-hmm. And they always, like, they're trying to convert me, and I'm trying to convert them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I work with, and then once every, I mean, every Tuesday, I go to uh, my grandma, to the ch- uh, children, I belong to a seniors group, um, and we do uh, volunteer for for children daycare, 
and we take them in the water. Oh. Yeah, they're under five years old and up to one year old. So um, I have to go get a um, security check. I mean, uh, like a child abuse check, uh, fingerprinted, and all that because we're working with children. Mm-hmm. Very important. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, and then I have a group of seniors that I go and I do aquasize with them. Try to get there three three times a week. But it's very limited. And then it's so cool before. I like, I always wanted to maintain my health. But as you get older, it's hard, it's hard to do. And then uh, it, there's, the Lord has really blessed me in ways or imag- that I could not even ever imagine. You know, like, really, and I met a whole lot of people. This is just a fraction of it. Some they said you should write them down. Some they said you should take pictures. Well, they were in a way every time I do this, you know. They, they said, no, never. Don't ever take my picture. I'm too ugly. You know, they said oh, things really? like that, yes. No. So I said, well, at least can I tell them your name? Only my first name. And I was just thinking, well, okay, I'll give them that privacy. But I said, can I tell them your story? You know, like, just try to, you know, just try to... T- Tell people about them so that they know how to pray for them. Are they open to that? Uh, not all the time. But you know, when I first met my uh, my Jamal is her name, her uh, the one from Pakistan. She said I had met her in the hallway two times previous previously, and I've always said hi to her. And then finally, at the elevator, I start talking with her. And then she said, pray for me. All of a sudden, out of the blue, she said, pray for me. And I said, what should I pray? And then, uh, do you have a specific request that I could pray for you? And she said, pray I won't kill my husband. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Her I'm husband. sure he would, he would appreciate that. <laughs> and then I said, well, uh, what are you going to do to him? You know, like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're only speaking, don't. <laughs> she said, I want to. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. And I've met like uh, people from all walks of life, like I said. And there's sometimes I have to like go into the uh, atlas and look at people, really? where they're from, how they. <laughs> oh my goodness, I have um, a, a Filipino, you know, like a Filipino friend. And so she has a bakery, like she sells from her bakery. If I go there at 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock, she'll give me a bunch of baking. And uh, I have people that give to me, not, they don't have the finances, but they give to me in ways like they'll donate one-eighth of a cow or one-quarter of a cow to me. So my freezers, I get, and they said to me, ask me for, ask us for anything. And I said, no, I probably won't ask. <laughs> like, I don't like asking. And then I have, uh, I don't really need to say this. It's not boasting or anything, but, you know, the Lord really has taken care of me all these years financially. I never had to go on deputation to okay. raise my support. Really? Yeah. And I have not, uh, just watch next month, it'll just drop. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. My daughter. I love hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
we have to live with what we have, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be thankful in all things. Right. And they, right. they've given me like 15 dozen of eggs and I've passed out to my neighbors. So, or whoever. People could be walking on the street. You want the eggs? You know. But as a as a as a rule, I do not pass out much food, you know, unless it becomes overabundance. Because you don't want to be known for that too, you know. You like to give, but yeah. You want to give just, just out of yeah, just basically yeah yeah. Do you have a favorite scripture verse, a favorite passage, a favorite Bible character? Yeah, I like that. Well, right now I'm reading Ruth. I like, uh, I have it underlined in my Bible. I just finished the book of Nehemiah. And I like, uh, or what book is that? I just can't remember at this point. Um, there's a lot of scripture verses that I love. One of this thing, one of the ones, I think it's in Corinthians. It talks about how you're doing your work and it's not in vain. Mm. And another one is um, when God saw that Abraham was, or when Abram was faithful, he changed his name to Abraham. Or that one where, where it talks about, um, I was showing you that verse. Uh. <laughs> in Numbers. Lord bless you and keep you. No. No, uh, I think it's... When the work got too hard for him. Numbers 11, 4, something like yeah. that. I, I should have bought my Bible. This is a podcast. I should have bought it. I have all those scripture underlined. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I could easily find it on here, but uh, yeah, it's not yeah. the same. There's well, a lot of scripture verses that... And he took me out of the miry clay and put me on Heinz places. Mm-hmm. And then he restored the years the locusts have eaten. That's a verse that means a lot to me, too. Yeah. And when you understand those verses, you could just say them or quote them. But when you when they can become alive, when you know that they're genuinely speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And it, it's only like, it, it's only through the Lord that is using me and working in me that I was able to do this and given the boldness to go and share on the streets. You know, it's not an easy thing. My heart is probably in my throat sometimes. And it's just that, you know, you just bring it out. And then you feel, well, what was I all scared about, you know? Or just say hi to people. Mm-hmm. A smile goes a long way. Mm. And, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure that drug dealer is probably a really bad guy, but you talk to him and smile. He's mm-hmm. the friendliest guy down in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of times where I've taken people or high school kids on the streets, and they're just like, we're scared. Well, don't come then. Just stay in a van and wait, which is more scarier, because <laughs> we're not around to protect you. Right. <laughs> And then someone says to me, oh, you're just, you're brave because you have a black belt. And I said, I don't tell people that. You know, you don't go around bragging what you have. Somebody will take you in the back alley, I was told. And rolled you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was encouraged not to uh, bother with the gangs in the north end. This tattoo that I got, this young man was from our reserve. And he was a gang member, and he 
I told him, stop, that hurts, that hurts, okay. He said, well, I'll finish it next time I see you. And I haven't seen him yet, so I don't know what he was going to make other than. But it's like he, I wanted to, uh, yeah, all tattooed up. I wanted to win <laughs> 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 oh. I have not met him yet. I'm hoping to see him soon. Is he in? I don't know where he went. Oh, okay. like he wasn't home when I went there, and I haven't seen him yet. Their home at because he's a gang member. Oh, so. Okay. He he always said, I went to the uh, corner grocery store, and um, how long do I have? I went to the corner grocery store, so and then I walked in, and then he comes in behind me. No, I walked in, and then I'm walking out, and then I'm carrying his little bag, and he's standing there. And I said, oh, hello. And then all of a sudden, this fight breaks out. <laughs> These people are just rolling around, fighting on the streets. He said, I just wanted you to protect you from those guys, he said. And I thought, wow. He was there at the right time. Not that I was scared, because I was watching them roll around and going on the streets, stopping cars. <laughs> They're having a big fight. I hadn't seen those men there before. So it's not a boring no, existence for you. Yeah. <laughs> or we, sometimes, too, uh, when I would have a ministry partner, we'd go downtown, we'd go uh, praying to the north end, and then there's a place there where they have the best ham sausage. Did I ever feed you that? No. Yes, I did. I probably did. You visited me a hundred times. So anyways, so we were so hungry <laughs> for supper, for lunch, and we didn't want to wait, so we just... We're just walking down the street eating garlic, and those people were with us too. We're just eating it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> die Pepsi. <laughs> and nobody thought we were crazy. But I don't we know. just kept moving out of the way. <laughs> or crossing the street. <laughs> I've run in so many cults, or they know me, especially the nuns. They just cross when I'm coming. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you mentioned that. There's a verse that says, your labor is not in vain in yeah. the Lord. Have you seen that played out? Yes, I did. Um, plenty of times. Because I'm thinking, I do not see any purpose. You know, like mm. how Satan wants to play to your mind and say, what are you doing that for beer? That's, they're never going to come to the Lord. They're never, you know, you're just wasting your time here. Mm. And so I thought, there has to be something to this. Maybe it's all my negative thinking that all my little points on my crown in heaven are not there. They're getting, you know, downsized to this. <laughs> Somebody, uh, one time I was speaking in a church, and I said to them, you know, when I get to heaven, it's not that my mother's going to be there or the people that went on ahead that were special, but the fact is I made it. <laughs> They say that that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, like, I heard that too. Is that if we're one of the, if we go to heaven, right? Yeah. We expect certain people to be yeah. there, and and it we expect matter. other people yeah. not to be there. Right. But you might be surprised, and then your most the biggest surprise is that you're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I said to them, and Jesus is going to be there. Yeah. That's. Uh, Ultimately important that part. I have uh, I have um, asked to speak in a lot of churches. Well, not a lot, but in some churches, and 
it's it's well received like it's almost like you go there they surround you with love they give you their offering they do this for you we'll come and see in Winnipeg you know and then you never see them again mm-hmm. it's it's to me I, I went to a I'm going to a Mennonite church that has taken their support away from me and I still stayed at that church because I did not want them to think that I was there for the money that okay. they're supporting me mm-hmm. I always think the Lord will provide in other ways yes. they were a mission minded church at one time which they supported many missionaries many missionaries they don't anymore okay so prayer is important oh for sure how have you seen prayer work uh in really in a lot of ways in fact for the just the air we breathe you know i made i'm alive i just you know it's just especially when it comes to working with someone that you know that they believe that what you're doing is true or mm-hmm. you know praying for that person not necessarily to change their minds about you but to change their ways of living mm-hmm. it would be so much much more so much i don't know if people would change their lives and give it over to the Lord. And prayer is what one of the things that would do that for them. Hmm. And also for you know the Holy Spirit to convict them. They, it would be so much easier for them to live. And it would be so much, there'd be no, there's a lot of things that I have encountered as a native person in Winnipeg, especially a woman, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know how to describe it other than the animosity that a Native person feels in Winnipeg and all the prejudice that feel, that's there. But I, I overlook that. And I think that the Lord has, it's praying to the Lord to help me to overlook those things. And I've seen that working in so much like seeing people with the eyes of Jesus I heard that and that's how I want to see the people and that's how I've been praying and then I've been praying for a lot of people to come to the Lord I mean they it's it's telling them and them making that choice to respond or not but at least I've known I've told them and having and praying to God for that opportunity to again speak to them and how it's going. And the Lord has answered. And I know that he's answering some prayers on his timing. It's not mine. I'd wish it would be more faster, but it isn't. You know? Yeah. I um I have um I have a uh uh what was I gonna say? I just sometimes like say people like they feel lonely. Oh, you're single, you're a single woman. Don't you ever get lonely? Of course, I'm not a superhuman woman. Mm-hmm. I have feelings. I could easily. <laughs> and then I say it's only a feeling. It goes away. Mm-hmm. If you dwell on it, it's gonna be there. 
Of course it is, like any other thing, you know, like, but God has been very, very, he has blessed me more than I could again imagine. And he has put people in my way that I could have never dreamed that I would ever be friends with or talk with. I'm really uh, thankful that you're telling your story. And it's not even done yet. I don't think unless I go get up there and get hit in a parking lot by car or something <laughs> <laughs> or choke on the food that's here <laughs> or roll through me down the stairs. <laughs> uh, we certainly hope not and we're especially if we're like with you or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark. <laughs> And Venus has been a very tremendous support to me. She has. She loves my girls. If anything happens to me, I know that she will be responsible for them. I didn't leave that in my will, but I think... You just told everybody yes. right now. Yes. How do you answer that, Venus? Well, I looked after Vera's girls when they were little. Sometimes I'd babysit the girls, and one time... Uh, they were just little ones and I'd be doing aerobics and, and Missy and would be on the floor doing aerobics with me, watching TV and Alice. And so I knew them when they were just little girls. And so you just, it was just an automatic thing to love them and watching them grow up and becoming the women that they are and that they love the Lord and, and just, uh, Everybody needs to know that they're loved, not mm. just by their mother, but uh, by relatives. And, and Alice and Missy know that they have my love, and, and I try to validate uh, who they've become as uh, Christian women, as a wife, and, and Alice being our CMP. And, and uh, it hasn't been easy for them, I'm sure. But uh, because I and Vera grew up together, and I know she's my aunt, but we're more like sisters than anything else because we grew up in the same household. And one time we were talking, and uh, see some of the things that I've heard in her testimony I've never seen or never heard. Mm. But I've seen different things that she hadn't seen, and it's 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 interesting. Two people in the same household, but. And the experiences that she's been through has been, it saddens me because I didn't know those things. But yet God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And, and I wouldn't have wanted those things to happen to her, but they happened. And I'm just so thankful that Jesus Christ is who he is. And uh, mm -hmm. he's the protector and that he loves us and he's our father. And... Uh, I never had a father, but I had a grandfather and Vera's dad, and he always had a garden. He was, he always provided well, and and uh, always had a garden, and he'd take us out to go and get these things. And in the winter, I wanted corn, but there was no corn out there in the winter. But he loved us. I knew that, and uh, that was my grandfather. And I called him. I don't know why we called him Tom. That was our Tomb. name for him. N not T-O-M-B, it's just Tom, I don't know why, that was that what we called him. And uh, 
by who's the only dad I had, and then when I realized that Christ was our Heavenly Father, I had no dad, but I had Him, and uh, I always saw God as God. Like He sat on the throne. He, He, He um, uh, ruled with an iron scepter. That's why I saw Him. Then recently, I realized that I'd never saw Him as my father. Never ever saw Him as my father. But the closest person that I'd ever have as a father was my grandfather. And so, I and Vera have a, uh, a relationship, a very unique and really good relationship. Do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I just want to say one sure. last thing is, the reason, like my full name and my, and my driver's and birth certificate is Elvira Cody. And... Uh, uh, I like to be called Vera for a number of reasons. Number one is my dad didn't like Elvira. He wanted to be he want, he named me Vera, nickname or something like that. Well, in Louisiana. The second thing is um, people. I'm tired of people calling me Venus. <laughs> and the third thing is. And the third thing is um, when I was really having a hard time in my missionary life. Um, I was sleeping in a house all by myself, a big huge house, and there was no one at home, and it was in the afternoon and I was sleeping, and I heard three times someone call me Vera, really so soft and gentle that no voice can compare to that. Not even the best hmm. radio announcer or anything, but really soft and gentle saying Vera, and I woke up. I sat up, I said, what? And I realized, I should have said, yes, Lord. Samuel. <laughs> yeah, it's like the story in Samuel, right? That's why I like to be called Vera. Because the Lord calls me Vera. Well, there you go. Yeah. What could be better than that? Well, this is a privilege. Thank you, Vera, for sharing with us. We really appreciate it. Venus, can't leave you up because you two are inseparable I think even though we live miles apart yeah kilometers yeah well thank you so much this has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts